Welcome to a workplace. I haven't punched anyone at work. What happens when someone says you were giving him googly eyes? I only wear tight see-through t-shirts. How much do you compromise to get what you want? Moms who work are just parenting two times. This is like modern work. Well, you could give the job to him, but I'll do it for less. That's sexual harassment. Sorry I'm not wearing makeup. This is just how I look. Working. <laughs> and having a vagina. <laughs> Hey everyone, Diana here. I am just putting a little disclaimer at the top of this episode because this was Paige in my first Zoom call. Normally we do all of our podcasts in person in a studio and this one was done via Zoom. So I personally think the audio is garbage. It hurts my ears. Um, so I just wanted to let you know that you can bail on this right now, right here, right now, nothing personal taken. Um, it's great content on the episode, but if the audio is just not working for you, totally get it. I understand. Bear with us. We're still learning. I'm still learning. So here is episode 15. Bye. All right. I'm going to start recording. Um, when people don't turn their zoom camera on, it's such a... I personally think it's a power play to put your video on when nobody oh. else has video on. I think because to put like, it on is a power play. Yeah. To put it on is a power play because it says that you're dressed and ready to go. You're like a, you're, you're, you're not hiding. You're not hiding. So if there are people that if you're in a meeting and no one has their camera on, you pop yours on and like be the person that starts the trend. Cause then you'll see people start to pop on because they're like, Oh, I guess if, if the, if someone else has their camera on, I'll turn mine on. But then the people who really probably didn't get dressed for the meeting or like didn't put themselves together still won't turn their camera on saying another dirt bag. <laughs> <laughs> That's my opinion. It's that clear. <laughs> It is that cut and dry. Why else, why else wouldn't you turn your camera on? Anyway, or it's just like a mark Man, of like I've gone to, security. I've gone to, well, it's true. I've gone to some serious lengths to turn my video on during meetings. When I had that like weird thing on my chin. Oh, right. I got this like bacterial infection. And I had, and the one I was like, it was this one Monday morning meeting. I was like, so concerned about, and I ended up putting on the this huge scarf like the biggest <laughs> scarf that I own and I had it like just over my chin <laughs> and then I angled my computer just in the right way and I was like sitting you know sitting up straight like okay this is just very posh oh wow it's, it's it's not awkward at all good move I would have <laughs> and half my face is covered I would have had to just <laughs> blabber about the whole thing right out of the gate. I would have had to been like, so I need to address this thing on my chin. I know you're all looking at it and then tell them That'd what it be, was. Yeah, that would be a very <laughs> confident strategy to go with. I chose to just wrap myself in cashmere. <laughs> I'm just picturing you with like almost a garbage, like a wooden barrel type scarf just coming all the way up blocking half your face like a huge 
Like you're sitting in a bowl. <laughs> I mean, that's what it looked like. Cause it was, it's like wider than my shoulders, like <laughs> takes up most of the screen. And I feel like in Colorado, it's kind of like rebellious to dress up anyway, like to not just wear like outdoor clothes all the time. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, you can, it's like a, it's like a little... Yeah. It's like a, going a little rogue. Yes, exactly. <laughs> to wear like normal clothes. <laughs> yeah, to, to jazz it up a bit, to take pride in your appearance. Um, well, geez, um, I'm Diana Pfeiffer. I'm Paige Slaughter. <laughs> and we're on is, Zoom. Yeah, and there is a distinct lag in our audio, but that's okay. We're going to roll with it. Um, what are we talking about today, Paige? Managing versus leading. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. These two things <laughs> can be similar or they can be very different. <laughs> I think this is like such an overplayed topic, but it's because people still can't get them right. It can't, people still can't make the distinction and get it right. That's so true. Leadership in general is very, like we talk about it so much, but like, what is it? And how, or not even what is it so much for me, but like, how is it? (laughs) Like, how do we do it? You know, when you do need to manage a team or, or lead a team, like, how do we go about doing that in the day to day? Like, not like, I'm not really interested in this like conceptual topic of leadership honestly Mm -hmm. to me if it's not if it's not how you're like putting it into practice just on the day-to-day level then I don't know it's just it's just a it's just a hot topic at that point yeah your question of how is leadership I, I mean well you know I've always I've always heard and I think a lot of people have the distinction between management as a science and leadership as an art um mm. and I'm and I'm and I'm pretty on board with that I'd say because I do think I think in the right circles I'm a I'm a very good manager and not a good leader and then in like personal spheres I'm a better leader than I am a manager because management to me is very, very specific to organizational skills, like delegating work appropriately, tasking and deadlining things appropriately, um, deconflicting, you know, priorities, things like that. To me, that's management. Uh-huh. And I feel like in a professional sphere, I'm really good with management, but with leadership, I have to, I have to really feel it <laughs> for me to be a good leader. Yes. Feel what? Well, I have to feel feel (laughs) in support of whatever I'm doing. Like I have to feel tied to it in a personal Mm way. Um, but that doesn't always happen, you know, because if you're like selling sports equipment, um, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to put your heart into that. But if you're a social worker and you're trying to, you know, help 
refugees start a new life in the U.S., that's that's something that you can be really invested in personally and emotionally. Unless you really love sports. <laughs> sure, not that I could, not that other people couldn't love sporting equipment. <laughs> but for me, it's maybe not a cause, maybe not a cause that speaks too close. Okay, I wrote this topic, so I'll go first. My the 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 time when these two concepts like overlapped and got blurry to me was when I was trying to train a new employee. Mm-hmm. Cause the there's I've I've taken like I feel like I've taken more of a leadership approach to training for all of my team members, like starting with what do we care about? What are we trying to do? Let's zoom out. Let's look at like the 10 year picture. Like my first intention has always been to get everyone feeling really empowered and excited about like our, our mission and like our big picture. And to me, that comes from more of like a leadership space. Um, But then when, when that, you know, the next step from there becomes training for specific tasks, that's more management. It's more like, this is how you do this. This is what needs to be done. It's like you said, more like cut and dry, like a science. And when when this person had a hard time grasping like the initiative piece, like really fully understanding what we're about and what we're trying to do and like translate that herself into the day-to-day kind of stuff. I felt really lost. Like, what do I do now? Like, how do you teach that, you know? And then the man, it became more clear that I needed to do more managing, but that I, I'm so turned off by managing people <laughs> that past a certain point it became like I don't know how how do I say this differently how do I teach this in a different way where it makes more sense or how do I tie this you know practical task to like the deeper reason can um, you can you really and that's where it became like more of a gray area for you personally what management is and then where you would fall into the micromanagement level? Oh yeah, that's a good one. I think to me, management is making sure that people understand what they're supposed to be doing and then are following through. Um, And then I think for me, it feels like it's verging into micromanagement territory when it's like, oh no, this is not only what you should do, but this is how you should do it. Which there's a piece of that where it's like, I'll show you how I do it, or I'll show you how, you know, I think it would be best done. And if you find a better way, then cool. I think that's a good management style. But then if somebody comes up with a way and you're like, oh no, that's, that's not the right way. If it's getting 
if it's getting the wrong results, then okay. But if it's getting the right results and it's not the way you would do it, that's micromanagement. Well, there's also the tricky aspect with your work where it's creative work. You're creating messaging and voices for different clients that have different brands and different styles. So they really can't just take it and go off on their own with it if it's like, a brand and style that you've already established for that client. So you do kind of have to tell them how to do it. Right. Like, but, but then does that create, but then does, does that stifle the creativity for people who work for you? That's yeah, that's so true. And that it's a really interesting piece. So like, so I have my creative director and she's the one who's leading our content creators. So recently I've been trying to support her in like developing some leadership skills in helping all of our team understand like those finer details Mm -hmm. and kind of guide them to do exactly what you just said where it's you're really tapping into like a certain tone and voice right um and you know, one of our core values as a company is creative freedom. Mm-hmm. And what I tell my my team all the time is like, our clients really love us because they can kind of toss out an idea or give us like a really general topic or say like, I don't know, I want to, I want to talk about this. And then we kind of take that and, and run with it. Like, mm-hmm. and they're often, you know, most of the time, uh, really stoked about it, like beyond stoked about it. Like, oh my gosh, you took that grain of an idea and just took it and ran with it. Like they're thrilled that they didn't have to like build it out themselves. So there is that element and and that's the leadership versus management piece. So it's like, yeah, we want you to do that when you're writing, like take an idea, tap into who they are as a brand and then run with it and take it your own way. And like, don't be afraid, you know, because what's way more likely to happen if you are afraid to write something original is that it's going to be really boring. Mm -hmm. Like (laughs) the chances of failure in terms of going off in the wrong direction are much smaller than just being too generic. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to cultivate (laughs) that, but then at the same time, like you said, oh no, this actually is completely off base. Right. And (laughs) it's this, the way you wrote, this sentence is, you know, could be better. Mm-hmm. And so it is a really interesting, like, fine line. Yeah. Um, I imagine it's similar to the editor and journalist relationship. Like, you know, mm-hmm. write in your own voice to deliver the facts, do it this way, you know, or do, do it in your own, do it in your own way. But then at the end of the day, like grammar and spelling and facts matter. So like, they're still checking the work. They're still going line by line and changing things word for word. So yes, there is like this huge creative piece to it where people are creating, but you have to snap those constraints onto the work because they, they must exist. So it's not necessarily management versus leadership, I guess what we're describing. It's more just like the nature of the work dictates mandates this type of behavior well yeah it raises a question like when do you step in and when do you step in and give very clear direction about what to do 
And then when do you kind of step back and say, let's revisit some larger concepts together? You know, maybe that's the different approach. So, so when I was, when I started training this um, new employee, it, I, I approached it with this sense of like, my number one goal is to empower you so you know what your, what your role is so that you feel supported in taking on, you know, whatever projects fit that role and just running with it. And it kind of became clear that the, this type of personality, like she wanted, she maybe wanted more clear instruction. Mm-hmm. Like maybe this, maybe some people do better when they're given, you know, a list of tasks and they can go forward and make those happen. And it was interesting to keep trying to, trying to set somebody up to take their own initiative and really like step into the role and and make it their own and how much time to give that before deciding this maybe isn't the right fit and we need to try something different. Um, So after a few months of trying to take more of a leadership approach, which I guess in my mind when I say that, it's like I'm going to keep trying to help you understand the larger goal so that you can then figure out how to make it happen. And after a few months of trying that route, I decided to shift to let's put you in a different role and I'll tell you what needs to happen, which becomes more like, I'm not going to manage you, but somebody else on my leadership team is going to manage you. (laughs) You're somebody else's problem. But the (laughs) jet, well, the thing is I really wanted her on the team and I, and she still is, and she's great. And I, I, really wanted to put her skills into practice and her her energy her whole like personality but it wasn't the right fit and when I finally made that decision and we talked about a new way of going forward by the end of that conversation she was really happy she's like this feels so much better I'm really excited about this role now Mm-hmm. And I feel like confident about it. Okay. And so to me, that was a pretty happy ending because it's, it, it was like a not, not the right fit kind of a thing. Right. The question mark around this topic is how do you go about, like, how long do you try? If, if it seems like somebody's just not getting it, then what do you do to make the decisions around like what needs to happen next? Oh, you know, such a crap, you know, we've been, uh, the reason why I started with like leadership versus management is because I didn't want to get right into what the hell do you do when you are doing your best and someone's still not like <laughs> not jamming the way they should. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. It's yeah. Common you know, we've talked about communication in general. And if someone's not getting something, that's your fault. You know, like they're not stupid. It's just your fault. But man, there are Mm -hmm. still situations where you're like, 
but are they stupid or <laughs> you're like but I'm explaining this the best way that I can and if someone's still not getting it what do you do like do you need a third party kind of what you I mean you had a couple things going on here it wasn't that the person was stupid it was that they were just like not in a role that was good for them and changing that role changed everything mm -hmm. but there are people who are right. in the role they can't change the role and they've got to make it work and you're both trying your best and it is just not happening i think this happens all the time and it's a big problem a big source of frustration for managers and man what what you have to do to get past it i don't know i don't know how many people have really solved this this issue have you had a have you had a situation where you weren't able to resolve what was going on i don't i mean i think no this would have been the closest thing where it it didn't it didn't work out in the way that i had planned um but the solution in that case was to kind of shake things up a little bit and it seems to be the right approach i had to find I actually split the role that I had intended for her into two mm -hmm. and took on two different people to fill that. And now I feel like it's a really great group. So there's definitely a part of it where it's like, I don't know, this role never existed before you. So part of it might just be at its core, it needs to be different. Mm -hmm. um, maybe the role was too broad and it wasn't a right fit. And there's all these little lessons that we can pick up. But when, I think for me, like with so many of the topics that we talk about, it's a little bit different than if you were in like a corporate structure where mm -hmm. you're not gonna be able to change somebody's role even if you're in charge of them. Cause that's not your call or it's too, you know, bureaucratic or whatever it is. Like, mm -hmm. and I feel like at that point, from the stories I've heard, like the, the end result is just, they either leave or you just have to deal with not getting the quality of work you want. Yeah. That's what I hear of most like, of the time. <laughs> which seems like a much trickier place to be in because then it's like, well, this isn't working, mm -hmm. but that's it. Right. Yeah. And I guess it's going to continue not working until one of us dies or quits. So <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. Well, geez, you like, I did like, talk that to was an open and shut case for you. I mean, that was like, <laughs> no, no problem. I mean, it went on for a few months, but yeah, it was, I mean, that's, that's where it led to. <laughs> but what else is there to do? Like, I mean, I hope that we never get big enough to, for that to be like, oh, that's just how it is. They're not, you know, yeah, they're just incompetent. Yeah. You know, like that's not a way to run. I don't think any kind of any size organization, right? even though that's the reality for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, you can see how when a organization gets bigger and bigger it's harder to have that nuance and that sense of personal touch 
I mean, I think there is still yeah. a way to do it. I think it should be a priority, but like, you know, it takes so much time and effort and it takes the right people to, to shape these things. And there just aren't a lot of people like that in the world. So where do you think the line is between teaching and handholding? Like how far do you think, if you, if you were responsible for training somebody and like really your job depends on them being successful in their job, you know, how much are you willing to walk them through it? Like at what point do you back off or give up or like, do you go on forever? Like, what do you think is, where do you think the line is there? I mean, I'm, uh, I had, I had so many people that were on both sides of the spectrum in terms of, I mean, I I think I had more, more folks working for me that were very capable and very good, but you just spend so much time on the people who weren't able to just, you know, um, be independent in their work or, or not need that really strict oversight you spend so much time on them that you you get a skewed sense of perception in terms of like how many good people you really did have because you don't notice the good ones you only notice the people who need all that extra work and attention and the hmm. the the teaching versus handholding boy i've just got no i don't i don't think i have the patience for handholding it's like i already hmm. showed you how to do this i've walked you through it I've done it for you. I've like stayed next to you while you're doing it. And then as soon as I leave, it's done wrong. Like, I'm not sure what to do. You know, like I can't, I'm not going to continue standing over you. So the handholding, <laughs> I'm trying to think of like with children, like I've coached kids in like soccer and tennis and swimming. And for them, you know, I think you have like endless hope that they're going to get it because they have so much potential to learn. But when it's an adult, you're like, there's no, there's nothing I can do here. You know, like (laughs) there's just this sense of like, you're, you're an old dog and I can't teach you a new trick, but with kids, it's different because you're like, no, the world can't give up on you because you're still so young and you still can learn and change and do all these things. So I feel like, you know, I have done the handholding, but it's only been for, for, for people with potential. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of a cruel. But do you think that, so do you, well, do you think that comes down to the way that we see people? Like, I mean, a lot of people in like the, the like more spiritual world will say like what if if you treated every single person that you met as if they were a child like your life would be insanely different if you like assume their innocence and assume that they're trying you know like everything would change yes yeah how much do you think that's true versus no they just won't get it (laughs) Well, I think you're right. I think it just comes down to how you view people. But there are people who wear you down. Like, I feel like I always approached people with like, you can do this. You're smart enough. Like, this is totally within your realm of possibility. And then when they just time after time after time 
did not understand very simple basic tasks. It was like, I, I did do what you did where I put them under someone else where I was like, maybe it's me, maybe I'm the problem. Like maybe I'm just not communicating. So I put them under someone else and it'd be completely different work. And then they would still not do well. Like <laughs> it did not help at all. Like they would be happier because it was just new and different, but I'd check in with that other leader and they'd be like, yeah, they're like, they just are not getting it. You know, like it'd just be, it'd just be more of the same. So yes, on the one hand, it definitely matters how you approach people, but I think, I think people, even the best, you know, of intended people can be worn down if you're just, I don't know, maybe it's like using the same tactics over and over again and just failing, or maybe there are just some people who are willfully obtuse and they just don't want to be good at something. Like, cause I, I still just don't think that there's like, I think at a certain intelligence level, yes, there's like just raw inability, right? But I, I really believe that people can learn anything. You know, like if you're able to read, you can learn anything. Like that to me, that's how it feels. And so when someone just does not get something, it's like either you don't want this or I'm not teaching it the right way or communicating it the right way. Yeah, I think it is helpful to break it down into like, what's at the root here? Is it an inspiration thing? Is it, is it a willpower? Is it, do you care? Is it, am I just completely off base in how I'm presenting it? Mm-hmm. Is it a wrong fit? Like maybe we have to get to the, the crux of it in order to like, cause you can't just like, you, I mean, you can't just keep trying and trying. Right. Right. you know, without, without trying to recognize, well, why is, why is this so hard? Why is this going on and on? I mean, I, as you might imagine, like, so the military was where I was managing the most people at once. So it's where I have the most experience in terms of like the leadership versus management, um, the, the painful lessons of leadership and management. Um, but it was also a unique population, right? Because I was um, managing people anywhere from 18 to 40 um, and like 30 of them at once, like at a minimum, you know, up to like 150. So it, it was really, you really ran the gamut. And in the military, like the military is a cross section of the population. So you have people from all different backgrounds, all different education levels, socioeconomic statuses, like religions, color, creed, everything. So you get a very cool um, <laughs> like exposure to how, how tricky leadership can be because I was constantly needing to be whatever that one person needed me to be. So like for me, leadership was like very personal, very much the personal individual relationships, Um, which is hard to do when you have a lot of people reporting to you. Um, It's like, you know, I forget what it's, what the saying is, but it's like, you know, 10% 10% of the people take 90% of your time or something like that. Like, it's just this very small oh, yeah, group. yeah, 80-20 rule. 
Yeah, your your Pareto principle. So, and it's true. Like you spend so much time working on the people that are like, I don't know what it is. Like, are you trying to fix them? Are you trying to prove to yourself that you can do it? Are you trying to prove to them that they can do it? Or you feel like you're letting them down if you don't help them or something. But I just, I had Marines who were, oh, I tried a, I tried a couple of different tactics, okay? Like we had, we had probably the most of our problems, the majority of our problems in Afghanistan where people were particularly unmotivated to work, right? Because you have kids for all intents and purposes, kids who are away from home in a foreign country. It's, it's not fun circumstances. It's not ideal environment. And you're working day in, day out on like bad sleep schedules and bad food and all these things. So I had this one kid, Donovan, um, who was just he was fun. He was a funny kid. I liked him. I thought he was hilarious, but he was just really bad at working. <laughs> just really bad at his job. Um, and I sat him down and I was like, listen, I want you to feel like you've got purpose here. And I want you to feel, um, you know, good about the work that you're doing here what, what do we need to do to get you to a place where you're not going to be a flight risk or you're not going to be a liability? Like, I don't want you to be miserable here. No, nobody does. So what should we do? What can we do to implement some things to make things more fun or more interesting or easier or whatever? And that was a bad idea. That was a really bad idea to try to engage him in the process. <laughs> really right you'd think that was the right answer and he was like well maybe we could have a movie night every now and then or you know like on deployment and I was like yeah you we can do a movie night he's like yeah but like during the day while we're working and I was like no we can't do that <laughs> So you said, how can we get you to work harder? He said, um, let's work less. <laughs> and That's I like, a good solution. We were sitting on a little stone, um, you know, it wasn't a bench because we were in the desert. It was like a little uh, bomb barrier. And we were sitting there like, it was like a sitting on a stone bench overlooking this like vast desert. And I'm asking him, like, what what we need to do to get him to a place where he's not going to be just a mess. And he's, his suggestions were awful. And I was like, oh, Donovan, we can't do that, kid. You know, like, <laughs> these, are, these are not realistic options because we only had a, you know, a set number of people that we could work with. Like, we had a team of, let's say, 30 people. 15 had to work the day shift, 15 had to work the night shift, and every single person had to be on because we had, we didn't have enough people to fill those, fill the work. So they were just getting run into the ground. They were exhausted. So it was like, okay, let's try and find a way to 
give you a day off during the week. So we, so at least one or two of you can have one day off each week. So it would be like this rotating schedule. And that was like the best I could do, but it still wasn't enough. Like these kids were just totally burnt out. So I was in a situation where not only were they like unmotivated to work, but they were completely trapped. There was no way out. Like there were no new roles to go to. Although we did try that too. We tried to swap Marines between work that didn't need like really special training just to give them variety, things like that. I mean, the, the nice thing about the military is that you cannot fire people. You cannot, you cannot move people around easily. Like, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a terrible thing about the military, but it's a good way. It's a good place to cut your teeth in leadership because you're like, you have to deal with these people go, you know, like <laughs> you get what you get and that's it. You've right. Got to Already it those options are off the table. Right. Yeah. So you're like, there's no hope of like, eh, maybe they'll quit or maybe they'll just go away or whatever. So anyway, so I try to involve him in the process, that idea. And so I think for a lot of people that might, that might be okay. Like in a day job, corporate situation to sort of give them give them like options to work within, maybe don't leave it totally open-ended. <laughs> um, and then the other thing I tried to do with some of my Marines was like maintain full transparency, but that wasn't that. And again, that's something I think that would work well in the corporate world of just being like, Hey, I'm not sure what you need to do differently, but like, we're going to figure it out together and, and it'll be okay. But with my Marines, they weren't mature enough or experienced enough to handle that transparency. And the other thing too, the environment doesn't want you to be transparent. You have hierarchy, you have rank. So that sort of makes it very difficult for people to just be honest with one another because they're very aware of that rank mm -hmm. difference. So that was a bad strategy. So there's, <laughs> there's a, I mean, I feel like every, again, every conversation we have goes back to like, what's good for you? What's good for your environment? What's good for your personality? Like all these different things that are ultra specific, but you really can't give blanket advice. And that's why I think leadership is so hard. It's, it's so situationally dependent. It's so circumstantial. And it's like moment by moment, you have to be willing to change. You can't just be like a type of leader Right. and be successful for everybody and that's why I think it's so hard because right. we start with leadership styles oh all, what are the leadership styles and you're like okay well that's good of like kind of classifying different categories of behavior but your style should be every single one of those at a given time you know like you got to be kind of going through them all depending on what the person in front of you needs is my opinion well, I really like what you said with that you had this diverse crew that you were managing and and you had to be whatever each individual needed you to be. And that's a really interesting approach to leadership, I think. Um, because if to me, maybe maybe like a, if I had to define what I thought was a good leader, there would definitely be an element of like, you need to see the person you're leading for who they are. 
and recognize their needs and their personality and their skills and their weaknesses and like all of these things so that you can then adjust your communication and your approach because if you don't treat you know if you don't recognize their uniqueness then that's pretty hard to be a leader right like then you're just Mm -hmm. imposing your own style like you said or your own your own strengths Mm -hmm. instead of trying to like lift them up right you can't really lift someone up if you don't see them yeah and you know I I think too um it goes both ways because you can definitely, you can definitely see, you know, I, I felt like I could really see this kid for who he was. And like, I was like, we would be friends if we didn't work together. You know, like I get, I get you, I like you, yeah. you know, but I kind of think, well, apart from him, I think some of the young men just needed me to be a man at times. Like, I think they just needed yeah. a male role model, a male figure head. Um, and that's not, and that's not offensive to me because I have felt that way many times where sometimes you just need someone who's like you, someone who you could feel like you can relate to, to guide you and to mentor you. And, you know, as much as I tried to be everything that I could, I still couldn't fill the father role, the brother role, like the comrade role for some of them. Um, And that was like something I just kind of had to accept because I wasn't going to try to, I mean, you can, you can try to be as masculine as possible, but, but that doesn't make you a man. It's very different, you know? Right. Yeah. (laughs) Masculinity does not mean. That's really, yeah. (laughs) Right. That's interesting. I, so, okay. This is very, very (laughs) entirely different. Um, so one time I had a dog and I read, I like found this pit bull mixed dog. This kind of came into my life and it was at like a pretty important time for me. I was just ending this relationship. And, and so I was so happy to have this dog. Like that was mine. And, um, and he was like, so cuddly, like the sweetest little thing and just like wanted nothing more than love. Like I didn't even need to give him, I didn't give him treats actually um, as a reward. I just like gave him praise. Nice. And he, he was all about it. Like that is all he wanted. Oh. Um, and, but then a couple months in, like I had him pretty, like pretty decently trained. Like he, he stopped running away. He'd like listen mostly just cause he like wanted my attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but then this weird situation happened. A neighbor reached over the fence and um, another dog was barking at him at the neighbor. So the neighbor reached over to like pet the other dog mm-hmm. and just dumb. And my dog was in the house and bolted out and bit him on the arm. Mm. because the wet dog barking he reached out and so he bit him on the arm and that just like spiraled I mean it was a downward spiral like he got really fearful of people really protective of me like he just got nippier nippier and more aggressive like it just went bad and 
it was really sad because it was like months I was going to all these different trainers and like crate trained him and tried all these different things and um and before you know before the bite happened I was really clear that like I didn't want to be like some people are very like dominant with their dogs you know like that's Mm -hmm. their style um and that didn't you know that didn't really feel like me I wanted to just like love on him and like Mm -hmm. have him sleep with me Mm -hmm. and (laughs) and so I didn't take that approach ever yeah but you know after that happened it became clear that like he really really needed like an alpha personality like I'm pretty sure he had some of happened before I found him because I don't know what his history was mm-hmm. um and I think he really needed a type of like like a ma- you know master to like yeah be very firm and alpha with him right right and so anyways that reminds me of what you say because that that wasn't really I ended up get finding him a shelter which is really hard or not a shelter but like this rescue place anyways and I thought that they could like give him that because that wasn't really me like it was really hard for me to to be that way you know sometimes you're just not what somebody needs yeah yeah (laughs) that's the whole point of that tangent and it's very real well it's very hard to admit it's very hard to admit especially when you know I think there are a lot of people who do pride themselves on their leadership and their management and say like oh I'm a good leader it's like I think everyone is to a very to people who are similar to them I think it's easy to be a good leader to people who are similar Mm -hmm. to you to people who are very different from you is where it's tested because you cannot use the same style for everyone and yeah it's not so easy to change yourself you know to change your natural baseline right so what what were you hoping that this Donovan would come up with did you have like oh an idea in mind (laughs) that he might suggest to himself I mean I'm guessing it wasn't to watch a movie yeah yeah I kind of hoped you know there when you're coming up in the military, there are a lot of older leaders who will tell you, you know, trust your Marines, like give, give them the benefit of the doubt. They're smarter than you think. They'll, they'll surprise you. Like (laughs) it just never happened for me. And so I kind of thought like, oh, if I just like, if I just hand them the keys, you know, and put them in the driver's seat for a little while, like they'll come up with something and they'll, they'll be great. And that just, that just was not the case for some, for some of the guys that I was in charge of, um, you know, again, 80% of them flourished. They were great. They were easy. You could, you could show them how to do something once and they'd be like, cool. And then they'd find a better way to do it or a more efficient way of doing it. That's exactly what you want as someone you can just say, here's the overall goal how we get there is on you, you, you decide, I'll check back in with you in a little while, you know, and like, see how things are going. Um, but I, I just, I was hoping that he would surprise me with, I don't know, some amazing suggestion with an insight that I don't have, you know, like he's, he's part of the crew. He's part of the day to day. He's with the guys all day in and day out. You know, maybe he could have given me something that, that, 
I did I wasn't seeing that I was missing and and you know part of the part of the thing too is like I was only 25 at the time you know like I wasn't super seasoned and experienced like I think I'd be better I'd be much better now than I was then because I just know more and I and I I can I mean I'd like to think that I would put put things on put emphasis on the stuff that really mattered um versus you know then when I was just sort of worried about everything I was just constantly worried about everything and so Mm. I tried incentives you know that was something I had read about that worked and so I would give rewards like for good for good you know performance I would write up a little letter of like here are the great things that you did you get a half day off you know or something like that or whatever and it only worked for the marines who were already good it didn't work for the ones who were not good and then you know and then there was like punitive measures punishments which like they never work um but i would still i would legally have to write up some of the things that some of the bad marines were doing because they were just like negligent or they were you know, flat out wrong and like needed to be documented legally. And so those were, those were hard because then it was like, oh, well, you're, well, you're kicking me while I'm down. And it's like, dude, <laughs> I am doing everything I can to pick you up. You are putting yourself down there. You know, like, I don't know what to do. And so there was, there was one guy who eventually I just had to transfer him to a completely different line of work. Like he, I had to put him on another team across base. He had to go work with other people. And like, cause we couldn't send him home. There was a certain point in the, like for when you're on a deployment to get someone sent back to the States is like a big administrative leap. Like there has to be suicide or insanity or something. Like there's gotta be like a severe mental breakdown for someone to get sent home. So I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't send this kid back home. And so I had to put him, I had to put him with like a completely different unit. And uh, it was like my big failure. He's like my big failure that I talk about. Um, like in, you know, in interviews, mm. can you tell me about a time you leadership failure? I was like, oh, I would talk about this kid. <laughs> I just couldn't get, couldn't get him to do anything. He was entitled. He was lazy. He was, he was just not smart. He was not motivated to do well. Like he was a bad combination of things. He was unlikable as well. Like he wasn't even a good kid, you know, it was just, but he had no reason to be. He like, he grew up in a very like lovely home. He was fine. I saw him come into the Marine Corps as like kind of a nerdy, cute kid and watch him sort of transform into this asshole that no one could stand. Mm. And uh, like the environment just kind of chewed him up a bit and he he's like my big he's like my yeah. big failure um so I don't know so let me go back to my notes here in terms of like what to do because <laughs> um, <laughs> like nothing I did worked that's why I don't even feel comfortable giving advice on this like I think the best thing I could do was like give people an example to look toward like here's what right looks like be more like him you don't have to listen to me. I get it. I'm a woman. You don't like me or whatever the case may be, but like, he's good. Mm -hmm. Right. You like, you know, Sergeant Donovan, right. Be more like Sergeant Donovan, like, (laughs) and then, and then maybe that would work, but like, uh, 
that was like maybe the best thing you can do is point out what right actually looks like because the hardest thing is to try to give someone guidance without like a clear picture of where they're supposed to end up um but even then there wasn't that yeah successful tactic I mean it's yeah it's interesting to think about this in such a like defined context like that like the one that you were in where you have all these pretty obvious limitations and things that aren't going to change and I mean that makes it very clear when it's like some sometimes it's just not going to work out right right yeah there was <laughs> nothing else to not point to who somebody needs or they're not going to be with. yeah right whereas maybe in in less like dramatic circumstances it might just be that somebody leaves or or moves or yeah yeah a deployment really really distills everything down like and cuts out the noise because it's like you are working every day all day and you cannot get away from the problem you can't like go home think about other things be with your family kind of write it off like ah, it'll get better you know and just kind of distract yourself with other things it gets like right at the heart of the issue and it makes every day feel like a week because you're just trying to figure this one thing out. And I think that's how people in like corporate jobs just go like years being inadequate or unhappy in a role because they do have that break. They do have that time to be distracted and not think about it and not deal with the issue because um, it's not as urgent or yeah, it would be interesting to look at problems as if they were, you know, your 24-7, your whole, like, what if this, you know, what if this was it? Or what, yeah. what if I cut out everything else and like, just look at this? Yes. Um, that might, it might help us make decisions a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know treat things like a little bit more like they're more pre you know treat our time like it's a little more precious and our our energy and mm -hmm. um some I, i'm sure you've heard this phrase fire no higher slow fire fast yes yeah that's some it, advice that i heard and was thinking about it in Hmm. my story and it didn't become a fire situation but it was like okay uh, uh, maybe don't drag this out because mm -hmm. if you do distill it down to what it is then you know time's a ticking yeah yeah um you know and I say like oh you couldn't fire people in the military like there were extreme circumstances where you may be able to but it's also not that easy to fire someone in the corporate world either like certain mm -hmm. there are certain like probationary periods that once people are past like that initial 60 or 90 days it is like very hard to fire them or like when someone gets tenure or whatever you know like it's not just the military where you're like stuck with people and so I think that's why leadership is so important like it's not your management skills that straightens those people out it's your leadership skills. And that's why it's tough because <laughs> I think people would, I think more people would think that they're a good leader than, than actually exist in the world. I don't know how many really good leaders there are in the world. Um, 
And when I say good leader, I mean someone who can like adapt to anything, basically, like who can who can be a leader to mm-hmm. anyone. Right. I forget where I was going. But most of us don't have to learn that or would even know, right? Like it would be hard to even know if you could lead anybody because so many of us are, you know, pretty set in our social circles or like professional realms or or lifestyles that we don't really test that out very very often right it's it's very um it's not something that people often have to confront I think that's why like a lot of people who do come out of the military um have a have that unique leadership experience it doesn't mean that everyone who comes out of the military is a leader but they've all had to face in one way or another that a team might hate them and they are still going to have to forge ahead, you know, like um, that you might not fit with Mm -hmm. everybody around you and you still have to figure it out. Like there are very few situations in the real, in the civilian world or the private sector um, that resemble that. And I think that's why it's easy for people to think, oh, I'm a good leader. You're like, well, yeah, you've been surrounded by very comfortable situations your entire life. So of course you'd be a good leader. Anybody would in that, in that situation. So just so it depends on how, mm-hmm. how in depth you want to go, because, you know, I found, I found the ends of my limits, that's for sure. And so I know where, where I can operate within like reasonably. And when people say, who wants to head up this team or task? I think very hard about that before raising my hand. I'm not like, oh yeah, I'll be in charge because I have been in charge and it's terrible. So <laughs> I'm not just going <laughs> to throw myself into projects well in LA because I have felt the weight of leadership and, and it's like good leadership, bad leadership, everything, not just like, oh, I've been a leader. I've been a bad one. I've been a really bad one and I've been a really good one. And so I don't want to dabble in it anymore <laughs> than I need to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Huh. Yeah, so to not take it lightly, but also I'm getting kind of excited by the idea of like, maybe we need to show up in different kinds of spaces to really be able to see ourselves more clearly and see our, you know, our like areas of growth, as they say. Uh (laughs) Well, this is why people like hate teamwork, first of all, and because you do have to change, you have to compromise. It's a constant compromise um, when you're working in teams. That's why a lot of people are like, oh, I prefer to work by myself. So there's your first indicator. If you're like, maybe not as good of a leader as you think. And then the other thing is those like little outdoor excursions or like, you know, company adventure where you have to like go climbing together or like go outside to do things together. it's really so like the company that I'm, I'm a managing partner in triple direct leadership, which is out on the East coast in DC. That's like the basis of what we do is like take people out. And I do like, I analyze their behavior while they're out there, but like we put people in difficult situations and it's like, (laughs) nobody wants to do it. Nobody ever wants to go. Everyone's always forced by management to like go out and have these like adventures. And then afterward people are, laughing and happy and care for you know it's just this but putting people in like difficult situations and then they get through them they're like so excited about that and they will talk about that 
for years to come like that one hard thing that they did which like it really isn't that hard you know but like people love being challenged but they'll rarely do it themselves they won't put themselves out there to do it but everybody grows and learns from it no matter what but I would never choose to make myself uncomfortable what's the point in that (laughs) you or you as in most people you as in most people yeah for me when I'm like as I'm getting older and just kind of like sometimes I feel like I'm losing my edge I'm losing my my core personality I'm like okay I've got to do something hard I've got to go out and do something hard and like the thing that often does it for me is just running with a pack on like if I put like a big if I put like a backpack on like a heavy pack and run with it for some reason that to me is like all right you're still you still got it you're still willing to go do like something like a little uncomfortable (laughs) it's just like this dumb little thing for me that I always feel like okay yeah I'm still tough I'm still I'm still edgy I got it but like some people you know need to run a race or need to do I don't know something what's your what's your thing uh let's see last last summer I was like pretty focused on a a goal of getting up to um avalanche lake and back in a day Mm -hmm. and it it took me a few tries I mean I kept starting late like I think the third or fourth time I went there I slept up at the trailhead the night before and and um I had a I had a pizza date with my friend that afternoon but I I like got close enough where I was like well I'm gonna be late to this thing but I I gotta do this today this is gonna be it Mm -hmm. and um and I did and I felt really good and I and just doing like achieving that the one time lasted a lot it it did a lot for me like it, it lasted a while in terms of like that confidence and being able to do it and um yeah feeling accomplished that way and yeah. doing it by myself yeah and it wasn't I don't think it was I don't think it was a question of like can I physically do this or can I mentally do it it's just like I know I, I just need to do it so I know that I did lately when? it's been uh <laughs> actually the the most recent one was feeling like I didn't want to go to this social event mm-hmm. and I <laughs> went inside and like made myself a drink and I came back out and I like looked at this circle of people and I was like turned around and went back inside <laughs> like, I, don't want, I don't know where I'm gonna stand this is like a tight circle around this fire like there's not even a brew like I can barely anything like where am I gonna sit where am I gonna stand like I can barely see anybody's face (laughs) (laughs) I actually went back inside and I was like okay picture like um picture the lead the woman in the handmaid's tale (laughs) who goes through some crazy shit (laughs) Uh uh-huh love that show (laughs) he's like getting roughed up and you, this is not you can do this it's very just go pick a spot just vote just pick a spot and I zoom for the first step <clears throat> pick a spot to stand 
did it. It's like, okay, cool. I'm here. I'm in the circle. Nice. Uh, I know that. I know her. <laughs> Walk over there. Go talk to this girl. Did it. And, and like, I broke it down one step at a time, which seems ridiculous. But when I'm like kind of tired or like in a more just like downward place in my like rhythm that we've talked about before, mm-hmm. it's those moments can feel really overwhelming. Like it's that like level of confidence, like you're talking about, that's not quite there when I'm feeling like really good yeah. and breaking it down into like these small pieces and just like conquering them, like one, a little bit at a time, Mm -hmm. like by the end of the night, it was like, cool. Like I didn't have a breakdown. I talked, I was like normal. Good job. (laughs) Now it's done, you know? Yeah. And that's a little, it was a little complicated. Um, you know, what you're describing is the foot in the door theory. Um, it's usually mm-hmm. described as a way of like getting people to do what you want, which is like you ask for a little thing to, for them to say yes to and you get your foot in the door. But I use foot in the door theory with my, oh. myself too in the way that you're describing where you're like, all right, you don't need to be the life of the party. Just go stand, just go pick a spot to stand around the fire. Like just, <laughs> just do that. You know, like I do it with exercise a lot. You don't need to go out for a run just go out for a walk. And then I get bored walking. And then I'm like, well, I'll jog every other block. And then I, before I know it, I'm running, you know, like you just break it into teeny tiny components. And maybe that's a solution for like leading someone or managing someone who is really offbeat from you, where you're just not in sync. You're like, Mm -hmm. let's break this down to the smallest component that we can get. Where can we get on the same page? Okay. We both agree on this. We both agree on that let's talk about how we can achieve those things or whatever. I don't know. I don't know, but that might be a potential solution to bring it back to our, to our core thread. But. Well, I, I do think there's a big, a lot of power in like treating something for the reality that it is instead of like, how do I solve this big problem or how should I be right? Like, how should I, what, what's my style? Like, what's my approach? It's like, sometimes those are just too, it's not even that they're too big, but like, they're almost too like, who are you to be thinking about that when this is the task at hand? You know, like uh-huh. this is the thing that's happening, yeah. you know, like let's stop treating it just like a concept and let's look at what's actually happening. Even if it's just like this tiny fraction of, you know, the bigger picture. Yeah. 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 Did we give there advice? We go. I don't know. <laughs> okay, thanks everyone. Great, You're great welcome. to be here. Hope you enjoy our our first Zoom episode. Um, I don't know. I think maybe, um, man, I feel like if we had really like appreciated the depth of this topic, we could have done a two parter for this. But we're in it now, baby. So we just got to wrap this up. But um, I guess. Um, to to like to kind of sum up our solutions I never I never found a solution but you had you know changing the changing the circumstances entirely changing the role entirely um but that wasn't your first course of action your first course of action was like really talking things through and trying to understand where the issues were like kind of doing a root cause analysis and then determining that like okay the role needs to change 
um, for me, I'm trying to, I tried to give an example of what, what right looks like, what, where we want to be headed, um, and sort of lay out a map, um, try and be very transparent and like just constantly maintaining that open communication and honesty, and then bringing a per bringing the person in to shaping that role that they are in. Like, tell me what you're struggling with and how I can best help you. Like you're, you're in charge now, like you, you make the call kind of thing. Um, and I think all of those would work in different circumstances that just didn't happen to work for me. <laughs> well, and you're thinking specifically about these one or two guys, yeah. right? Like yeah. I'm sure that you, you are also ignoring all of the, <laughs> all the people you led very well in that same exact environment right and period of time yeah 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 that's true but you don't learn from the ones you got right <laughs> uh, um, yeah breaking it breaking things down um seeing the person for who they are mm -hmm. maybe challenging yourself to be a leader in different environments to different types of people to kind of see where your own gaps are. These are mm -hmm. a lot of good, good ideas. These are good tips. Well, I would say our, we've touched on similar topics in Room for Feminine Authority here, question mark. Uh, yeah. First episode. Um, talking is hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, that one is very much about being a leader and engaging with people on your team. Mm -hmm. Oh, and uh, also I don't acceptance. Know. Oh, go ahead is an option acceptance like for me i don't have what it takes to lead this person correctly like i i'm i can't do it i cannot do it it's not that they can't get it right it's i can't get it right so give them to someone who can get it right like pair them with someone who does jam with them better or whatever find an intermediary yeah. um yeah right that might be the result of some of those other things that we talked about. Like right. if you do the exploration, you're open-minded about the, the answer, the answer might be, it's you. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, hey, it happens is, to the best of Which us. is an uncomfortable place to get to, but you'll learn from it and you'll be better for it if you admit it. Is that it? Is that all we're going to say? Well, this, this, this other story just popped into my head. This is okay. from, um, this is from, in college, I was the manager of a radio station and it was really fun and really, really silly. Like we purposefully did things in a very silly and informal way, um, but it worked. Like it really worked with the way, the personalities and the, like the vibe we created by doing that. And, you know, we didn't take things too, too seriously, but we got a lot done. Um, it was a really cool environment to like, that was really my first like leadership position probably. And this one time um, something happened where like, I think a conversation we had in the meeting got like kind of heated and there were some different different opinions on the table and and somebody in the group ended up like emailing someone not involved 
and like oh. telling them what happened. Mm. So, and then it made its way back to me. And we ended up having this, um, like at our next meeting and, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty nice, but <laughs> I think most people would say, but I was like, not having that no. and put my foot down pretty hard. Like, uh-uh, this is not what we do. Like yeah. we, like, this is not what we're about. Like these conversations stay in our group like we support each other we are honest with each other like it was a serious moment uh-huh and it was amazing what happened i mean nothing i don't know if anything really happened after that but it was a whole like oh like that Ooh. you know it was like a snap back into place kind uh-huh. of conversation nice and so you know maybe one option we haven't we haven't really touched on is just sometimes you gotta get get down and dirty right and remind people that they're you know that you have standards for them and that they're a part of something that has standards and you know a way of like treating each other and and supporting each other in like you know certain kinds of like yeah that's just not gonna fly yeah yeah and land some authority yeah yeah I think I mean what I would want in a leader is someone to not let me go beneath my potential you know or like my my best self and I think that's a big part of of what it could be too good well said that's a really interesting thing to recognize because I was, I'm just thinking it of like, yeah, like lay, lay down the authority, like tell people that that's not okay, whatever. But the way you just framed it is so much better, which is like, I'm not letting you slip below your potential. I'm not letting you slip to a level that you're Mm. better than. And that's like, that's like the, that's like the core of leadership there. (laughs) Anyway. Isn't that what you want? Like out of your friends? out of your partner out of you know mm-hmm. like out of anyone mm-hmm. that's really in your life or well, maybe I'm, you don't and then we probably won't get along so <laughs> you're gonna be a piece of shit for the whole life um yeah that's well that's why when I started this I was like in my professional sphere I'm a better manager but in my personal sphere I'm a better leader because like it's often mm-hmm. with friends or family or people close to me that I will like push them to do the right thing or to make the harder decision or whatever at least in the past like few years yeah, I feel like I've gotten some that some of that maturity a little bit and like you know don't invite me to your wedding because when they say like you're vowing before your before your family and friends that you're gonna uphold your what you've said today I take that very seriously I'm like I I will hold them to this as a person witnessing this union I am holding you to your vows when things get rough. So, um, so don't invite me to, to your wedding. <laughs> because, well, yeah. I, you're already the one that I come to when I'm like, okay, I see my options on the table. I could, you know, if I, I already know what advice I'm going to get when I go to Diana. So let's go. <laughs> 
and it's good it's good to have people that you know won't let you you know be less than you are sure sure yeah right I really liked the way you wrapped it up with that story I think it was perfect perfect ending great job that's a space workplace you found us here now click subscribe so we can keep filling your ear holes and get us on Instagram at a workplace podcast. What workplace? Not a know.